What is worship? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and filling in once again for Brian Dombozik is Sam O'Neill, our content editor for our Younger Kids material. Sam, how's it going, man? Good. Things are going well. Glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. Glad to have you on once again. At this point, I feel like everyone's wondering, like, is Sam just holding Brian hostage somewhere so he can keep being on the podcast? And the answer, of course, is yes. It might be. Yeah, that's I right. I refuse to admit anything without consulting my lawyer. That's probably very wise. Very <laughs> wise. All right. So, Sam, today what we are doing is we are talking about one of the 99 essential Christian doctrines that are part of the Gospel Project. And so this one that we are kicking off with is the is what we believe about worship. Mm. And so, and by we, I mean what Christians should believe about worship. <laughs> yeah, so, right. um, so how about you start us off by reading the, our, how, basically our definition. Yeah. Of this. Um, so many people reduce worship to an event or the singing of worship songs, but worship is first and foremost something of the heart, and it extends to all areas of life. The aim and focus of worship is God, giving him the exact due of praise and adoration that he deserves. Worship should be carried out not only at a personal level within a Christian's life, but also in joining with other Christians in the corporate act of worship and stewarding our gifts for the glory of God. Corporate worship serves to edify and strengthen other Christians, but it also serves as a witness to non-believers of the greatness of God. Right. So that's a big that's a big definition. There's a lot of stuff going on there. How would we simply describe this? So worship is giving God honor and praise in every area of life, in every moment of life. Right. So that's a pretty big like so so one of the things that we need to recognize is that worship itself is very is actually a lot broader than maybe we typically think. Yeah, um, I think especially when we talk about kind of the the modern American church context, mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll talk about like, oh, I'm going to service, we'll have worship and then a and then a sermon. Right. And so it even talking about it that way sort of condenses it into it's the few songs you sing right before you listen to someone talk about the Bible. Right. As opposed to, as opposed to the worship gathering, which is the entire experience Mm -hmm. from beginning, from start to finish. Um, So music, prayer, preaching, response, Mm -hmm. communion, all of that, Um, baptism, when there's baptism, all of those are expressions of worship and collectively make up that worship experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, where do we see this doctrine in Scripture besides everywhere? Yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. Yes. It's, it's all throughout. Um, and to be clear, worship is not less than singing. Right. It, it's it more absolutely than. includes singing. Yes. Um, but it is also more than singing. So um, some scriptural references, uh, Exodus 15, 1 and 21, Numbers 21, 17, Judges 5 3, 2 Samuel 22 50, Psalm 5 11, uh, Psalm 7 17, 9 2, 
um, 717 says, I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. I will sing about the name of the Lord Most High. Right. So, so that one is singing clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also get uh, Psalm 11, 1833. Uh, in the New Testament, we see this as well. First uh, Corinthians uh, 14, 15, and 26 uh, both talk about, about singing, um, both in positive and negative contexts, and we can get to that in a minute. Um, Ephesians 5, 19, which says that we're to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with uh, with our hearts to the Lord, um, and of course uh, Colossians three sixteen, which also which also references um, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yeah. So now that we have sufficiently proven that singing is an act of worship, absolutely. What are some ways that it, that we can worship that is not just music? Right. Well, um, if you think about generosity, generosity is um, is is depicted as an act of worship. And we particularly see this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Both chapters are, are this call to, uh, call to generosity uh, to the Corinthian church from Paul. And he's got this loving, spurring on challenge thing that's going on in there. But when he's talking about, when he's talking about generosity and he, he describes this cheerful giver, someone who mm-hmm. is giving joyfully, sacrificially, whatever they've decided in their heart. Yeah. Um, and so that's an important thing because if generosity is a heart issue, that means that it's a worship issue. Yeah. So that's just, that's just one of them. Um, we also know that it's connected to the way that we work, and we see this most clearly in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, where we are commended to work as though working for the Lord. Yep. Um, so think about how you do your job. So <laughs> random quick side trail that you can cut all this out if you don't like it, but there was an old uh, – so I grew up in the, in the 90s, like super – Christian subculture. Okay. Um, and That's there right, was this old, yeah, yeah. There was this old TV show called Colby's Clubhouse that I don't know if it still exists. <laughs> I, I'm sure you can find it somewhere on YouTube, but there was this song uh, from that verse that, had, like, every time I think of that verse, it's stuck in my head. And I'm not going to sing it because I don't know all the copyright issues around potentially singing someone else's song. I appreciate that. Thank but, you. But, uh, if you if you listener want to go try and find it, it's really catchy and I don't know. It, it, I don't even know if the show is super doctrinally sound, so I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying. No, you just remember it. Yeah, it's stuck in my head. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. I get that. So uh, what else we got here, Sam? Worship is also connected to social concern, as um, spoken about in Acts two. Verses 42 through 45, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Yeah, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Right. And so although we don't see the word worship connected to this directly, we see that this is an expression of their worship, that they're seeing need from within the body. And they're saying, hey, you know what, let's make sure that everyone has everything that's taken care of. Um, and it wasn't and there was no command to do it. Mm-hmm. It was just it's just what it just was an overflow of yeah. their love for the Lord. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that we, we again, we see in First John. We see it through John's gospel. We see it um, everywhere in the yeah. epistles that um, if you, um, and you see it in the Old Testament as well, that if you love God, you're going to love others. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's where social concern in that sense is a, is a worship issue. Yeah. Well, and that also brings in, I mean, the, the commands to love your neighbor as yourself, the commands to take care of the poor and, mm-hmm. and the needy, uh, it also brings us to the idea of obedience as an act of worship. Mm-hmm. So this generosity, it is an outpouring of their love for God and an act of worship. It is also this sense of they're obeying these commands. Uh, they're taking on these social concerns as an act of obedience and an act of worship. And we right. can see that um, really clearly in First John uh, 2, verses 3 through 6. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Nice. Nice. Uh, so we also see that worship is um, is a group experience. I mean, this is kind of a retreading some of the ground that we that we covered at the beginning when we were talking about singing, when we when we looked at Acts just a moment ago. Um, but we do see this encouraged in places like uh, Hebrews ten twenty five, which um, is written in the negative, where it says, "Don't neglect yeah. meeting together," yeah, yeah. Um, implying that hey, it's really important to meet together um, to encourage one another. Um, and um, yeah, and so the, those are those are important because they remind us that worship um, is congregational in nature. It's not exclusively mm-hmm. individual. Yeah. Um, we also see that worship is connected to the mission of God. Um, yeah. It's connected to evangelism. That uh, and we see this again. We see this illustrated all throughout the Book of Acts. And so I'm not going to list off individual passages here because it's the whole book. Yeah. Um, but um, and we, but we do see it in in some specific contexts. We see worship connected at, um, as a response to people coming to faith. There's celebration, um, but we also see it um, as motivation for telling others about him. And and this is one of those things that we see, especially actually in the story of the Samaritan woman mm-hmm. in John chapter four, who after meeting Jesus ran off to her village to tell all the people about this man who knew everything she had ever done. Yeah. And that's wild to think about, right? right? That it's like when, if you worship Jesus, what what you need to remember is, is what you worship is what you talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what you share with others is what you care about most. Yeah, And so... Um, and so it's it's just going to happen. Yeah. And so it's helpful to think about evangelism not as not so much as this duty which it is. We are we're right. commanded to go and make disciples. But um it's really helpful to think, well, if I if I care about if I love Jesus, um and it's more complex than this, but if I love Jesus, I I'm going to talk about him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It makes me think of um I don't remember if it was originally an idea from John Piper or if it was used by John Piper and originally from C.S. Lewis or something like that. But the idea of... Well, C.S. Lewis did not take it from John Piper. No, I I realized that it couldn't go that way. Thank you. Uh, But what I mean is um, the idea that 
you haven't fully enjoyed something until you've enjoyed it and told someone else about it. Mm. Because all of my favorite movies are movies that I love to tell people, go see this movie. Right. If I see a movie and I'm just kind of eh, on the movie, I'm not going to go tell people, oh, you got to go see this movie. It's okay, but not great. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like me in the, in the new Star Wars movie right now. Yeah. I'm like, it's it's fine. <laughs> I have not seen it. It's fine. So, You're not missing anything. Uh, yeah, which the, hurts my soul a little bit. I mean, I've never been the huge Star Wars guy. For well, me, okay. it's all about Lord of the Rings. That was my like. <laughs> that was my coming that's of age trilogy. That's the that when I was Christian an adult. Too. They came out with a prequel trilogy that was awful. So like. The Basically, parallel is there. I, it, it's totally there. Yeah. So <laughs> when I'm when I'm like in my uh, mid to late forties or whatever, I'm sure they're gonna come out with a, a sequel trilogy that's like not based on anything that the original creator intended, and they're gonna be like, hey, hey, it's another. It's it now we've got nine movies, only three of which are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, that's okay. That's okay. I'm I'm glad yours was the uh, the the more likely to be Christian approved trilogy <laughs> though than mine. So, um, <laughs> but in all of this, I think one of the most important passages to show the expansiveness, like the the all encompassing nature of worship, really is Romans twelve one and two, which says, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the mercy in view of the mercies of God." I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so that is so important. Paul is saying here, everything you do is worship. Mm -hmm. Your whole life, everything belongs to God. Therefore... Um, therefore, live in a, live in light of that. Pursue holiness. Mm-hmm. Pursue His will. Seek to know His will. Um, and I think one of the yeah. hardest parts about that, at least for me, uh, it, it even includes the thought life. The the yes. thoughts that you know. I'll be the first to admit, me in a car in traffic. You would probably not guess that I'm a believer, that I'm saved by the by the grace of God, because the <laughs> thoughts that come into my head, and even sometimes I'll, I'll confess, the words that come out of my mouth, they're not they're not transformed. Mm. They're they're conformed to the pattern of the world. Right. Um, yeah. Well, that's so. it's it's good that you are acknowledging that with the rest hey, of us. I mean, this is I, a safe I place. Know, on I this know that I need podcast. God's grace as much as anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and I mean, I mean, we're all. If we're honest, we, we all have moments like that, yeah. like where yeah, yeah. it's you just there's just something that gets underneath your skin. And it's like and then it just shows you something that's there that it's like, ooh, why is that there? Mm-hmm. Like, that's ugly. That's nasty. Um, why did I think that? Um, those are those are some things that that can come up, too. You know, the question is, is are you going to are you going to take that thought captive and confront it with the truth, Mm -hmm. Um, acknowledge the fact that you had that thought um, and say, and look at why and ask, and, and ask Jesus to help Mm -hmm. ask the Holy spirit to, to continue his work of renewing our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, that's a big deal. Yeah. So, um, so we've, we've talked a lot about the, the expansiveness of worship. 
um, which I think is a really good thing. Let's now talk about some uh, cautions that we might have with understanding this doctrine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as in our description of this doctrine, we need to be careful about reducing worship to singing and music or or even just some kind of event that you can take, you know, participate in for a few hours, you know, even every day, like, oh, I'm going to worship for this amount of time. Uh, rather than having the understanding that it's really all-encompassing. It's it's every moment of every day. Right. And at the same time, we also need to be careful about not neglecting the importance of singing and music as part of our worship. Right. Um, I mean, the Bible is way too clear on yeah. this point um, to, for us to minimize the importance of singing. So we actually do have to do it mm-hmm. um, because it's part of it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, this has been – this is a – this is a bit of a wrestle for me um, because sometimes it means that I'm going to sing songs I don't prefer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now there is a difference between singing a song that you are conv- that you convictionally cannot sing, and that's a and that's a that's one of those um, personal conviction issues that that Paul talks about, where yeah. something may be a sin for you, but it may not be a sin for someone else right. um, to to sing a particular song. Um, and we're not going to get into examples of any of those particular songs um, here <laughs> because, well, it's going to just take too long. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but there are so- there are certain songs that I just like that um, I can't sing in- sure. in- with a clear conscience. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have some where it's like where there will be a line or a verse that it's like I can't do this verse. But um, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll just insert my own words instead mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I can agree with the rest of it. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people, they they're just like, you know what? I you know, I'm not too worried about all of the these bits and pieces that, you know, maybe seem persnickety right. um, because I know what the big idea is. Right. And so I'm cool with it. Right. You know, there there's different approaches to it there. But the point is, is that you are going like that singing matters. Mm hmm. And it encourages one another, even if we think we sing badly, yeah. um, to hear one another, which, I mean, is something that is really important to yeah. the to the congregational experience. It's this to is, encourage one another. This is mostly just kind of a, a hypothesis, I guess, a little conjecture. But I wonder if some part of the importance of singing is that vulnerability of like, hey, I, I can't carry a tune all that well. And I'm still going to sit here and sing of the glory of my God because I know that he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to get myself to a place where I don't care either. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't I no, I mean, don't know that I think I think it's a good point. I mean, you know, there's many jokes that are made about uh, about making a joyful noise to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and some of us are, may, are, are the joy and some of us are the noise. But... Um, <laughs> But I mean, this is. But I mean, this is the thing. It's like God doesn't care. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't care about the quality of your singing in the way that you think He does. Right. Um, he cares about. He cares about the heart posture. Yeah. More, far more than the volume, the placement of your hands, the um, whether you're reading from a screen or a hymnal, um, you know, or or whatever it may be. Right. Um, these things. It. it it comes down to it comes down to the heart. So, yeah. um, so that's w- one thing. The other thing that we need to be careful about, 
careful about is that in acknowledging that worship is about the whole person and our whole lives, um, we need to be careful to not neglect the corporate gathering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, the Christian life is not one that ultimately can be lived apart from others. Um, it is a it is a communal experiment. This this whole process that we call sanctification. Yeah. Um, so basically, which basically is just growing in holiness, becoming more like Jesus. Um, and so worship is something that is impossible to completely experience within a vacuum. Yeah. So there are individual and private moments and experiences of worship, but the Bible does stress the importance of congregational worship as well. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Sam, ultimately, what difference should this doctrine make in our lives? Well, it should help us work differently, for starters. Um, obviously, um, the toilsome nature of work is a result of the fall. So yes. no job is going to be perfect. The idea that you can have a job that has no sense of, like, this is hard and I don't want to do it today. Yeah. It, that's a fantasy. You know, that's some—or at least it will be until Jesus comes again. Right. But— uh, the doctrine of worship should change how we view the toilsomeness of work as something that's like, hey, this is hard and sometimes it is awful, but I'm doing it in a way that is glorifying to God. Right. I mean, if Jesus can go through the hardness and the awfulness of dying on the cross, then certainly then we can we go can, through a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this should have been an email. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, so that's definitely true. I think it's also one of those things that it's helpful to remember there too that um, – God is growing us and shaping us through the difficult the difficult moments. And mm-hmm. so the act of worship can simply be trusting that he like trusting that he is going to use this somehow for our good. Yeah. Um, even if it's just character building. Yeah, yeah. Um and, and because that that's worship. Yeah. It's it's trusting God ultimately. And worship the doctrine of worship also um it should inspire in us a desire to be wise and generous as the stewards of what God has given us. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I can share a little bit of a personal example, um, my wife and I just had our first son back Mm -hmm. in June of 2019. And one of the things that was kind of on my to-do list was, well, I need to look at updating our life insurance stuff now that we've got a kid and, and all that. Yep. And one of the things I went and met with our insurance agent and one of the things that um, struck me as I was talking is we've cut our budget in a lot of ways to to take care of a kid and realizing that I can't really get the amount of life insurance coverage that quote unquote is necessary for for whatever reason unless I were to start cutting back on the amount that I'm giving. Yes. And my first thought was like, no, of course not. And then I was like, well, but you know, is it unwise to not have quote unquote enough life insurance? And so I had to wrestle with that and text my pastor and basically like, is, is it sin for me to even consider reducing my monthly giving in order to increase? Isn't that kind of like just saying like, Hey God, I trust you, but actually I want to have a backup plan in case. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally had to, had to, you know, make some hard choices there, but all that to say, it's an act of worship to right. find ways to to say, you know what, I am going to trust God and I am going to be generous. Yeah, um, yeah, anyway. absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so another thing that it should make us do is it should make us want to sing together. Mm. Again, we we talked about this at length, so we don't need to keep going down that road. Yeah, but um, but that should be a response. And finally, it should make us want to tell others about Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because 
I mean, really, we have the greatest reason to celebrate. We have the most amazing thing to tell anybody about, which is the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus. Hmm. And that is what everyone in the world needs to hear. It's what we need to hear from one another every day, constantly. Um, And so let's see that as an act of worship and go and do that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Sam, thanks for uh, joining me today on the show. This was a lot of fun, as always. Uh, I look forward to the next time I get you on. (laughs) Um, It'll be fun. Um, Don't worry. I won't let Brian out anytime soon. That's right. That's right. Um, This is your audition. So... All right. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for joining me on this. And uh, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.